Pulse. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. You're listening to the HBCU Sports Playbook on HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today. And it's really special because it's homecoming season. We're in the middle of, well, now, are we in the middle of October? Time goes by so fast. I guess we theoretically are. It feels like the month's almost over. So listen, bear with me. But it's homecoming. Listen, forgot this homecoming was last week, and I didn't go. But I'm glad I didn't go because it was a blowout. But, you know, we'll talk about that later on. Ariel, how you doing today? Doing good. It feels good to be back. And it is homecoming season. You know, got Clark, and then you got Spillhouse, and you got A&T. Everybody's homecoming is coming up. Um, I don't, But I don't think random people go to homecoming for the games. I will hope not. I'm really there for the tailgates and the good food. But would it be bad to not have a blowout for your homecoming game as well? What what I will say, but like first of all, the, the game isn't important because we're gonna talk about your birthday real quick. But I will say that the games do matter. The the games matter because people want to be called homecoming crashers, and a lot of these in conference games have really been tough. So if you got an in conference game on homecoming, that crowd is important because you want your team to go to the championship. You want your team to compete. So if you're playing a real good team like Jackson State is playing at Alabama State's homecoming this week, you want to win. And it's just about to tailgate. Like, you can eat your ribs after, after the win. All right? So the ribs going to taste better if you beat Jackson State. All right? But, Ariel, who was your birthday last week? So talk, talk to us about your birthday. How do you feel? How was your week? Listen, age hits you. Age. Just age. And if the people know, you know, you can't, you know, go out like you used to. You can't drink like you used to. You know, every for my birthday, I got books and gift cards. That's how you know you're getting old. Like you don't you don't ask for like clothes or like your favorite toy or anything. You get stuff that matters. I got some of my favorite books. I got Starbucks gift cards. I cried over an edible arrangement because I don't see my friends. Like that's that's different. That's growth. But it was um it was pretty good and it was relaxing. After Tuesday, I was out. I didn't work the whole week. So, um, but I'm I'm happy to be back. I really missed you and your message was so beautiful. I was I was brought to tears. I was like, wow, this man really cared about me. It's crazy. I feel it felt really good. I really appreciate it. I, I was hoping you you, you listen to it because I I don't, mean, I don't be knowing. I'm like, oh okay, that's fine. I, feel, I feel good. I feel gratified. It's gonna be a great show. All right, so let's get back into homecoming because Arya brought up a great point about homecoming. So. Let's list off all the homecomings really quickly. So uh, we have this list courtesy of HBCU Pulse. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. We posted it a couple weeks ago so everybody can know when the homecomings are. So this past week, we had uh, Alabama A&M, Bowie, Fort Valley, Lincoln University of Missouri, and Winston-Salem. They all had their homecoming, but Winston had to cancel their homecoming football game and also the Friday activities because of Hurricane Ian. October the 8th, so this weekend, Alabama State. We have Central State, Fayetteville State, Lane College, Lincoln University of Pennsylvania, Morgan State, Morris Brown, Savannah State, Tennessee State, University of Arkansas, Palm Bluff, Virginia State. So the 15th, we have Albany State, Clark Atlanta, Elizabeth City, Kentucky State, Livingstone, Miles College, Norfolk State, and South Carolina State. The 22nd homecoming, you have Alcorn State, Allen University, Hampton University, Howard, Jackson State, 
Johnson C. Smith, Mississippi Valley, Langston University, Morehouse College, Shaw University, and Southern University. Then on the 29th, of course, A&T, North Carolina A&T. You have Benedict College. You have Delaware State, FAMU, Harris-Stowe, Texas Southern, and Prairie View. On the 5th, you have Bethune-Cookman, Edward Waters, Florida Memorial, North Carolina Central, Paul Quinn, Grambling, and Tuskegee. And on the 12th, that ends off homecoming season, you have Fisk, Texas College, Philander Smith, and University of Maryland Eastern Shore. So that's the homecoming lineup, just so you all can know. Make your plans. It's a lot of interesting games. But in the flow of news, let's go on and run through the scores for this past weekend. Campbell, surprisingly, beat North Carolina Central 48-18. to And Campbell will be playing Jackson State for their homecoming. Very interesting. South Carolina State loses to South Carolina 50-10. to We expected that. Morgan State versus West Virginia University of Lynchburg. Like Morgan State won 44 to 10. That's expected. Howard got beat by Yale 34 to 26. Come on. I, I was hoping that they that Howard would win for, for, for the black Ivy Leagues. Okay. I was hoping they win for us. All right. So Norfolk versus Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart won. Norfolk is winless right now. They play their first in-conference game against Morgan State. Uh Robert Morris lost to Delaware State. Great, great win for Delaware. Alabama AM got back to a winning track and they won against Bethune Cookman 35 to 27. Fam, you beat Mississippi Valley decisively 34-7. Alabama State beat Texas Southern 16-13 en route to their homecoming against Jackson State on this weekend. So Southern beat University of Arkansas Pine Bluff 59-3, decimated them. It was bad. And Prairie View beat Grambling 34-14. And that, that, like I'm telling you, Prairie View looks like they're trying to make it out the swag west. But we'll talk about more about that at a later date. So let's talk about Division Two. Because Lane College beat Tennessee State 28 to 27. Now, on my board, I got a lot of drops and different stuff like that. You've heard them. I used to have a horn. We used to do the shows already. I used to have a horn and hand clapping. I would play both of that if I had them on the board. But, like, yo, like, Lane beat Tennessee State. I am, as a D2 football fan, I am excited. But, Ari, I got to get your reaction to it. Tennessee State is 0 4. How are you feeling about Tennessee State right now? When you told me this, when we first came back and we had our meeting, I couldn't believe it. Like, as as you were talking, as we were discussing having our meeting, I was looking it up. And I'm – this is not the start that Eddie George wants. We, we're thinking, and I think Coach Prime, of course, he started a trend of NFL players coming back and being coaches and HBCUs. And we all thought this was a good thing. And obviously, Tennessee State, they thought it was a good thing too. But being beat by a D2 team this close shows A – like you, we had the conversation about two weeks ago that D2 has more competition, has better players right now, and is able to beat these D1 schools than what we're thinking. And being now Tennessee State is 0-4. You're looking at a coach that wanted to sign a major deal that was across the Tennessean, the one of the newspapers in Tennessee, across the state, that you want to play North Dakota State, which A&T went against and got dominated like superb beat down. You want to make those deals. You want to get your players more opportunities. You want them to see and kind of be what Coach Prime is trying to get Jackson State for them to have better competition, more opportunities, more airtime. But you're 0-4 coming into this season. That is going to be hard to turn around or even hard for them to keep you because this is not the progress. This isn't what they were expecting. And if you did have that board, literally congrats to Lane because this is the upset 
and more of an upset on Eddie George's part, but the upset of the season. Like, they deserve this win hands down. So uh, last year, Tennessee State uh, was five and six. They were three and three in conference. They uh, were three and one at home. They struggled on the road last year. So, you know, it was an improvement over what we've seen from Tennessee State in recent years because Tennessee State actually in the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference, they made the playoffs one year, you know, and it recently. I think A&T played Tennessee State um, in the playoff game because, you know, A&T at that time was in the MEAC and Tennessee State was in the OVC and they, you know, did well in the OVC. So, you know, for me, I think that oftentimes we look to find the problem and not the solution. I don't think the solution is firing Eddie George because you need to give a, a coach three to four seasons, especially if Eddie George is, is going to stay there, which he loses. He ain't going nowhere. I mean, he like with Deion Sanders, you like Coach Prime is like, he might leave. He, he doing pretty good. He might leave. But Eddie George, he losing. Outside of playing the NFL, like high schools is like, sir, if you ain't you ain't winning that Tennessee State, what you going to do over here? You know what I'm saying? So you got Eddie George at the very least if you want him for the next four seasons. Now, if next year no win, no wins are yielded, that's one thing. But I saw some games that Tennessee State could have won, and they just didn't. And even this game, I feel like this should have been a game that they won, but they almost lost in regulation. They kicked a field goal that made it go to overtime, and then Lane came out and got a, and got a touchdown in over in overtime, and they and they won. You know what I'm saying? So. I don't think Eddie George should necessarily be fired, but I got to ask you this, Ariel, what's his next move? Like, do, do we make some changes on the offense? Is it the defense? Do you yell at the players and say, do better? Like, what, what do you, what do you do? do? Do you bring your Heisman to the next, to the next conversation? Where it's like, is this what y'all, y'all want to do? Do better. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you do? I would have to say it's more of a recruitment problem. I don't, I don't think like, like you said, you don't really, the, the solution is not to fire him. I don't believe that's something that's going to be beneficial to the team. Having And we've seen teams like outside of HBCUs like Florida State, or you can actually look at Central, or you can look at Norfolk. When you have too many turnarounds on your coaching staff or different presidents and what's going on, it kind of disrupts the flow of trying to find a sense of efficiency or some type of normalcy. I believe it's a recruitment problem and, you know, not try to keep pointing back to Jackson state, but Jackson state knew what it had to do. Deion Sanders brought in his two sons. Then he brought in Travis Hunter. Now they're undefeated. They have a dominating offense and a dominating defense. So if Tennessee state still wants to compete and Eddie George wants to turn his career around and still be one of those great head coaches and be a great leader, which he is, I think he needs to recruit a little bit better, especially when it comes to the defensive side. I think that's what happened during this game. They just let their guard down too many miss too many misses, too many fumbles to make no pressures, no rushes. They weren't attacking. They weren't as urgent, just like how Lane saw this. And when Lane saw that they could win against Tennessee state, they took it. And, you know, overtime is overtime. It happens. But I think there needs to be a certain aggression. I think there needs to be activity in the recruitment world offseason. And even right now, just looking at what players we can bring in and build up our defense and make sure that we're not always having to look at overtime and we're not always having to come from behind and try to win a game that was so simple as this one. So, Ariel, here's my question to you. So uh, I personally don't think that they should fire uh, head coach Eddie George. I don't think that. However, what does it say about NFL coaches that go to coach at HBCUs? Because we've had NFL guys before. Because you have Eddie Robinson that is at, 
you know, Alabama State, you have Bubba McDowell. They both are NFL guys. Deion Sanders is doing well. Like, you've had NFL guys that have been coaches. So it's like you've seen success, but you've also seen folks, you know, that haven't done well. Like Tyrone Tyron, Tyron Wheat, Tyron Wheatley that at Morgan State, he never had really a winning program. And he was there even before Deion Sanders got down there. So we've seen NFL NFL players and even NFL greats in recent history that that have come to to come to coach at HBCUs. Now, I don't know if they have the profile and sort of the, the standing that Deion Sanders has in football as, as a GOAT and as a great, but we've seen NFL coaches come in and make it happen. Hugh Jackson was a literal NFL coach. And he's coaching that Grambling, and they've not been all that successful this season. So do you think that NFL coaches coaching HBCUs, do you think that they're bringing anything to, to the sector? Or, like, do you think that maybe they, we're not giving them a fair shake because they're professionals and we should give them a year or two and see where they are? I believe it's still a good thing. Do I believe HBCUs are pushing them to a higher standard just because they saw what Deion Sanders did? Of course, and I believe it's unfair. Deion Sanders is his own man. He has his own connections, and he knows how to handle them and how to use them. I believe what HBCUs are doing to hire NFL coaches are great just because of the exposure, just bring it. And it's always good to see somebody make it. Like when we have our guest speakers or those spotlights that come to HBCUs and some of that do come to HBCUs, come from HBCUs, it's always good to see that, always good to bring talent and see that dreams are accomplished. So I get it from that point and I hope they don't start. Stop. Like it's exposure. It's getting on ESPN. It's getting those deals. It's getting those advertisements. That's great. But I do believe they're holding them to a high standard, like how Deion Sanders is. Deion Sanders is his own man. He has his own connections. He is able to do what he needs to do to make his team great. Like Eddie George and all these other HBCU coaches that are coming from the NFL, it's going to take time. And everybody's coaching style is different. Like this is his first year, as we stated. He needs to figure out how he works, how he coaches, who are the players that he has on his team, what they're good at and what they're not. It's okay to have a learning season. I hope they continue this. I hope they continue to see the benefits of this. But they need to make sure that the people they hire, they're not holding them to a high standard, where it's like, well, if you're not producing like Jackson State is producing, I don't want you. You're not Jackson State. You don't have those resources. You don't have those type of abilities. So you need to make sure that the team that you're working with and the team that you want aligns with the coach that you're hiring and aligns with the standards that are fair to him. Because maybe next year they could turn around and have a 4-0 start. You never know. You just have to give them time and a pace to make sure that they're able to grow and that you're just not breathing down their neck like, well, if you don't turn around and make us look like Jackson State, then we don't want you anymore. Even though Jackson State is on a pillar, they shouldn't be the standard. They should just be a guiding mark as to this is where we want players and we want HBCU football football programs to be. We don't want you to be like Coach Prime and his team. We just want you to be good. We want you to be successful. And we want to provide those opportunities to the students that are transferring to us instead of those Power 5 schools or the SEC or ACC. We want HBCUs to expand. It should be more about HBCUs than it is about coaching and trying to bring in prominent coaches. It should be how your team will look in the future years and not, well, if this isn't working, then we have to throw it all away. I think that's a bad habit that HBCUs have. If something isn't working that we wanted that's really popular, then we just exclude it altogether. I think they need to work with him. I think they need to figure out a game plan. And like I said, you never know. They could turn it around and we can see a totally different team than what we're seeing this year. 
I feel it 100%. I definitely feel it. So we'll see what happens with Tennessee State moving forward. I hope that they do not fire uh, Eddie George. I think that he needs time to build a team. And let me tell you this, Arya. So let me say what happened to me. So I play NCAA football 13 because they don't have, you know, a new, um, they don't have a new NCAA football game that's coming out next year. So I've been playing it ever since March. And I decided I was winning with my Georgia Tech dynasty. So I decided I wanted to rebuild a team. So I chose Marshall. And I chose Marshall, and we lost like so many games. And I'm and I'm recruiting four stars and three stars. We got to get the front line together. I'm getting some some receivers that can make plays. I even got a new quarterback coming in. Tell me why they fired me after one season. So I I, I sympathize with Eddie George, okay? Because Marshall fired me in the video game. So uh, Eddie George, I sympathize with you. Don't let Tennessee State put you out. All right, let them know. Listen, it's handled. Just know I got some boys coming, and we're going to be good next year, all right? Because, listen, folks be, folks be ready to go off with your head, you know what I'm saying, after, after one season. We just a five and six last year. Give us some time, all right? I feel you, Eddie George. It's from coach to coach, I feel you, okay? So let's talk about uh, some more D2 matchups. So uh, Fayetteville State uh, beat Chowan uh, 13 to 10. That game had to get rescheduled uh, due to Hurricane Ian. They played that game on Thursday. Uh, Fayetteville State, uh, it looks like they're going to continue their dominance. Uh, they always met Bowie uh, in the CIAA championship, and Bowie always eluded them. A couple weeks ago, my game of the week uh, was Fayetteville State versus Virginia Union, and I predicted that Union would win, although Fayetteville State started off 14-0 to in that first quarter, and it seemed as if it was going to be Fayetteville State showing that they're still dominant. Jada Byers and the crew, they came back and won it. It was a really good game, maybe the CIAA game of the year. And I'm honestly thinking we're going to see that again because Fayetteville State and Virginia Union aren't in conference. So I don't think that Bowie is going to be as dominant moving forward into the rest of the season. So I think that that game we saw a couple weeks ago is going to be what you see in November for the CIAA championship. So I want, you, I want everybody to really pay attention to Fayetteville State and Virginia Union. I think that Fayetteville State and Union don't lose any other games moving forward, and they then meet in the championship. The only thing is that Union still has to play Bowie. That is the only thing. But we'll see what goes on and what really happens. So Johnson C. Smith uh, beat Elizabeth City State 49-14. to Shout out to Johnson C. Smith. So Virginia Union beat St. Augustine 69-0. to I'm telling you, it's almost like Benedict in the side. They just beat Fort Valley. We'll talk about that in, in, in a second. But Albany State, they're playing them on October the 15th. Whoever wins that game, and I'm even predicting that Albany State is going to most likely beat Fort Valley in the Fountain City Classic. I think that we have a great starting point, and I'm happy for Coach Gibbs, and I think he has a great offense. I think it's some changes that need to be made. I want to see a better passing game. I want to see a more efficient passing game because I think running is our strongest suit. And I understand you want to make people respect the run, but somehow she just make plays because if we had people at four Valley that made plays, we could win, but we'll talk about that more in a second. But I think that Benedict and Virginia Union are in the same space because Fayetteville state has dominated. Same thing with Bowie. Fayetteville state dominated their division. Bowie has dominated their division, North and South, right? So the big thing now is that Virginia Union is trying to bust that up and say, hey, we're here now. So I'm telling you, it's going to get really interesting in the CIAA and Virginia Union. I'm not going to hold you. That's my team. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm on the bandwagon, all right? Listen, Jada Byers is my guy. Draft him now, all right? I need, I need them to play Jackson State or something so Jada Byers can get drafted. Money game, all right? So let's talk about the SIAC real quick. So Albany State beat Miles College 20-3. to 
that was a rematch of the past two Sayak championships. And man, like Albany is just starting to dominate the, the Sayak. If you look at history for the Sayak, um, the East has always run through either Albany or Fort Valley. Uh, we've always made, uh, you know, the championship. It's been either, either one of us, you know? So at the end of the year, it always goes through either Albany or Fort Valley. Look at the past 22 years. Albany, Fort Valley, Albany, Fort Valley. The Fountain City Classic for the SIAC East is always the most important game because that determines who represents our division and also who normally wins in our conference. And then you have Albany that's gone to the playoffs before in recent years. Fort Valley made the playoffs, I believe, in the, in the 2011 season. So, you know, it, it all just really depends. But now Albany is really staking the claim that they are the premier team in the SIAC, but it's almost, because I, I watch wrestling now. So it's almost like a wrestling story where you want to build a contender. And now Benedict is that contender. And guess who Benedict is playing this weekend on HBCU League Pass, for, as far as I know? They're playing Miles College. So what if Benedict goes out and they beat the reigning two-time um, SIAC West champions? Imagine what can happen. So then it sets up for the matchup, the main event, the game of the year, which is Albany State versus Benedict College on October the 15th. So, man, I'm, I'm telling you, like, Albany, like, I'm a Fort Valley alumna, and I know we got beef, we, we rivals. I, 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 I saw someone say on Facebook, Ariel, I saw someone say that I'm so glad that Fort Valley got their class picnic over so we can have our homecoming. And I was like, why do y'all always come for us? We chilling. Like, they always come for us. And it's like, in my old days, Ariel, back in the day, okay, I would have some smoke. But now, I'm HBCU Pulse. And we love, we love Albany State. We love Fort Valley. We love everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm not going to go back to my old ways because, listen, we, we, we in business now. We making money. So, I, I can't do that. But back in the day, I would have said something. But Albany, y'all good because I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I need for Albany to sort of humble Benedict a little bit. I'm not even gonna lie. They're gonna get mad at me. I love Benedict. I've done a lot of work at Benedict. But Benedict's, that Fort Valley game, let's talk about it. They said they homecoming crashers. They said we are homecoming crashers. Don't schedule us for your homecoming. And they beat us 45 to 13. And Benedict dominated. The offense was clicking. Fort Valley just did not have an answer for number one, Benedict's run game. Phoenix, their quarterback, and also the running backs, like they were just running through Fort Valley just like how they did against Savannah State a couple weeks ago. And guess what? Benedict's playing Albany for their homecoming. But listen, Albany has been a great program for the past 10 years, and for the past 22 years, Albany has really been the standard in the East. Benedict, don't go there thinking it's sweet because they got the front line play is going to be pivotal. But I just, you know, I'm not mad at Fort Valley because it happens. You know, like we, we're four and one. That is the best record that we've had in years. We're four and one. Like we we didn't go into a game four and no since 2005, 2006. So I think that you have to make improvements in your organization. Everything in business, in sports, even in relationships, everything doesn't happen in a day. And I think we want instant gratification. We want people to immediately come in and be Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is the blueprint, but at the same time, he's the exception, not the rule. So you have to build out programs. And I'm proud of Fort Valley. Just because we lost, I ain't worried about it because I think we're still in contention. And we'll talk more about that, about the divisions in, in, in a second. But going back to the CIAA, Bowie destroyed Livingstone. So they said, listen, we're still here, Virginia Union. 
We'll see y'all in, 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 in about a couple weeks. So Bowie, we'll see. Bowie started off rough, and then they lost, they lost a, a very interesting game against Shaw where it came down, you know, to a last-second type type of play. So we're going to see what happens with, with Bowie, but I'm very excited for the Bowie versus Union game. I will definitely be making sure that's on my TV. All right? So let's talk about these last two games that got delayed, Ario, because of the fact that Hurricane Ian came through and they, and of course, Edward Waters, Morehouse, Savannah State, Kentucky State, they wanted to make sure the fans were safe and also the student athletes were safe. So I looked at these scores, Ario, and, and I know I talked to you before we did the, this, this podcast, and I'm like, are these scores wrong? And I said that because I went down Ariel. I'm just like, Edward Waters beat Morehouse 49 to 20? Listen, Morehouse is not Atlanta. All right, I'm going to get Amaretta. We're going to do, do the second remix. Listen, Lathonia is not Atlanta. Morehouse is not Atlanta. Like, because listen, not y'all undefeated. Come on, man. I've been boosting up Morehouse this whole entire year. I picked Morehouse to beat Howard. And y'all lost to Edward Waters and shout out to Edward Waters. Listen, Edward Waters, I rock with Edward Waters. They, they had their first game on HBC League Pass against Florida Memorial. One of the games of the year, Florida Memorial won, but Edward Waters had a claim. They had a stake in it. But you're telling me that Morehouse, who has had good teams, they beat down for that last year. Y'all supposed to be the y'all supposed to be better than it. They supposed to be better than it. And you telling me you lost to Edward Waters? They new to the conference, man. Y'all not Atlanta to further notice. Y'all better have a good homecoming. Listen, y'all better book Drake because listen, like I'm telling you, y'all gotta do. Y'all better do something because I'm disappointed in Morehouse. I am disappointed. I'm gonna tell Samuel Jackson and Spike Lee. Listen, we we, we gonna show up and just lecture y'all. All right, I'm, I'm not I'm not playing with Morehouse today. All right, but Savannah State, Savannah State loses to Kentucky State. And here's the thing about Morehouse versus Edward Waters. Edward Waters is, is in the division with Morehouse. So that loss stings more, and that means that basically Morehouse, for the most part, is out of contention for the side championship because Bennett's going to keep winning, Fort Valley's going to win games, and then, you know, you have Albany State that's going to dominate. Now, Savannah State lost to a, a Western Division opponent in Kentucky State. Now, that's still surprising. They lost 28-13. to 13. Savannah State just came back from D1 in 2019. They're supposed to be contending. They're supposed to be saying, hey, we're off probation. We're back in D2. We're going to run the SIAC. It's us versus Albany. But y'all lost to Benedict in conference. Then you lose to Kentucky State. I'm starting to believe that in a couple of weeks, and hopefully I'll be at the game versus Fort Valley. I think Fort Valley's going to beat y'all. I think Albany's going to beat y'all. What's going on in Savannah? So, man, it, it's getting interesting in the SIAC because – I just don't know where Savannah State is. Like, they're not the same Savannah State that I saw with my own eyes when they played Albany State and they destroyed Albany State back in 2019 when I was a senior. And then they destroyed Fort Valley. And they were saying, listen, if we weren't on probation, we're the SIAC champions. And I was saying, let's set it up. Miles College versus Savannah State, let's make that a regular season game. Let's make sure that the two standards, so you have Savannah State come from D1. And Miles College, that's dominated in, in, in the SIAC, and they've been the champions. Let's set it up. Let's see a regular season matchup. It didn't happen. Now Miles is struggling, and now Savannah State's struggling. It's interesting. It's really interesting in the SIAC East. And that's all I'm going to say about it. We're going to see what happens, and we're going to talk about my game of the week later on. But, Ariel, this is a great segue into a conversation that I heard as I was watching uh, the Fort Valley Benedict game. Uh, Dr. Holloman, Dr. Anthony Holloman, Dr. Holloman 
uh, worked at Fort Valley for the past few years. He is now the commissioner of the SIAC. So first and foremost, uh, from a former student of his, uh, congratulations to Dr. Holloman. We did a lot of work. He did a lot of amazing things for me. I worked in athletics when I was at Fort Valley, um, and he really was there for me in a lot of different facets. He did a lot of great things for Fort Valley as far as fundraising and leadership. So first and foremost, thank you to Dr. Holloman, and congratulations to him on behalf of me and also HBCU Pulse. Uh, but he said uh, something interesting in his interview uh, with James Verrett about changing up the schedule next year and possibly eliminating divisions in the SIAC. I want you to take a listen. A lot of people who are fans at home watching, they're trying to find out what is next for the SIAC as far as expansion. <laughs> you have a lot of people there that are looking at uh, other schools that are trying to bring football in that are in your footprint. Is that something that you're looking at? Absolutely. I think one of the things that we want to do is be strategic, look at the value proposition of the teams in the schools that we may uh, look at for admission and being smart. Um, we're going to be um, deliberate in making a decision. Uh, we're looking at um, changing our schedule format uh, for this upcoming season 23 to maybe not have East and West, but one division. Uh, play eight conference games, okay. uh, putting ourselves in a position so our teams will be prepared for our postseason play. So that was his comments on the ESPN Plus broadcast uh, with James Verrett. Uh, Tyrone Poole also was a commentator on that game. Great, great presentation. Uh, so I said this after hearing those comments on Twitter, Ariel. I said, listen to Dr. Holloman speak with James Verrett on ESPN Plus, and I don't like the idea of eliminating the visions in the SIAC. Do I like the idea of more conference games? He said, eight, sure. Is the West sort of weak right now? Yes, but I just don't know. Then I said it would it would allow more teams to enter the D2 playoffs. Albany only made it last year, and Savannah State had a great claim, too, on last year. But interdivisional matchups give, give games such as FDSU versus Benedict higher stakes. You're never really out the championship hunt. And this is what an alumni said, Ariel. I want to read this before I toss it to you. Uh, this alumni, he went to Fort Valley, graduated in 2001. Um, his at name is Southern Georgia, S-U-T-H-E-R-N-G-E-O-R-G-I-A-N, Southern Georgian. And he said, no, division should be removed and never brought to light again. The one thing I always admired when I was when I was I was matriculating at FDSU is that every team played each other and a true champion is made. That's what made the games against Mother Tuskegee and the Golden Goats special. Talking about Albany State, so he said the Golden Goats, the, the Golden Rams. So I said, interesting. So the SIAC has done this before because I didn't know. He said, yes, when I was in school in the late 90s, we played everyone. The old commissioner and the AD started messing with the schedule and threw everything off. That's when Morris Brown was in the conference. We would play all three AUC schools, Savannah, uh, Lane, Kentucky State, Skeegee, and the Goats. That's talking about Albany State. So, Ariel, I want to toss it over to you. So what do you think about this, this conversation? Because we see that the MEAC, because they have six uh, football schools, they don't have a division anymore. You know, so they just play, you know, basically each other. And then they, they determine the champion from that way, and they don't have a championship anymore. Uh, but, the, of course, in the SWAC, you see uh, the SWAC East and the SWAC West. Jackson State is in the SWAC East, along with FAMU. And you have Alabama A&M and Alabama State. So, of course, that always get, get, gets crazy. Then you have Alcorn that moved from the East to the West in the SWAC, and now they're in the same division with Prairie View, Grambling, Southern, Texas Southern. You know, So now you have a bunch of interesting matchups that, that, that are in conference that now are interesting, and they play the, the SWAC championship. Then that SWAC champion goes on to play the MEAC champion in the Celebration Bowl. So we see both sides. We see one side in D1 that doesn't have divisions anymore, the MEAC, and one that does with the SWAC. So in general, how do you feel about this discussion and about divisions in football? Well, my first thing 
would be I I agree to a certain extent. And if you look at it from I guess the MIAC perspective, um, with A and T leaving and trying to find more competition and just becoming a better program and Hampton also in the Big South and they leave in their conference. It's more of thinking how to, where I might think he's coming from is how to maintain and how to keep those HBCUs playing against each other, but also keep them in conference. So if we split divisions, we're like, maybe we let them play each other. We won't have an East to West or North to South, but we'll let them play each other. Maybe it builds more competition. Maybe it builds more excellence within the programs. And when those programs can prove that they're really good or that they're better and that they can play against each other and we can actually symbolize a champion or get these players playing on an elite level, maybe we can go back into splitting the divisions. But right now, if, if that was his point, trying to keep HBCUs together and provide more competition and make them stronger and better, I get it because a lot of HBCUs leave because either they're not playing each other or they left that caliber to where, why do I keep playing them and I'm better than them and I'm growing more, I'm doing better. Now, it's also kind of bad in your aspect how you were explaining it to me where maybe it doesn't give like the dominance that you want you don't get to see the best of which team from either side west or east or south or north to play against each other that kind of gets rid of well who's really better you're kind of just crowning somebody just to crown somebody or they keep repeating and playing each other it's to me it's a real iffy talks in the conversation, you see the pros of it, and I would like more in-conference play. I would like more HBCUs playing against each other because it just seems like for the past two years, it's been white schools and money games, and it's just like, what was the point of, what is the point of even playing? Like, I would love to see in-conference competition, but at the same time, it's like, if I'm just giving you, like how we were discussing, if A&T was the Big South, because technically, they're still one and all in their conference. And they win, but their record is like two or something. It feels like I'm just giving it to them. I want to make sure that if I separate or get rid of the rule that there will be no divisions, that I'm actually crowning a true winner. So it's this visit we're just not trying to give the trophy away, but also we're trying to put in in-conference plays. And like the tweet said, it may have worked and it may have been good, but for you and maybe some people, and now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I don't know if this is the best thing if it means that we're just crowning a champion just to crown a champion. I don't know if that's going to do anything for the coaches, for players, or even establishing that HBCU players can play at an elite level. That's just where I'm kind of at with it right now. I totally understand that. Um, and that's just, you know, I'm open for change. You know, that's one thing that I, I told myself in my life that I want to be open to, because I think that, um, you know, folks of a certain age group and you, and you know what I'm talking about. Folks from a certain age group think a certain way and they just won't change. There's a lot of things in the world and in our, our environment that changes and we have to be apt for those changes. So I don't want to be someone that that negates change. I want to speak my mind and, and and get more information and then say what I say, but I don't want to be resistant to change. However, my problem that we land on is this. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's my thing. And I don't think it's broken. The Fort Valley Benedict game was everyone's game of the week. And it's because this was a divisional game. Both teams were undefeated. And this essentially sort of weeds out 
Hey, are you making this, the, the, the side championship or uh, do you have a chance to make it? Are you going to contend against Albany? Like you've beaten Savannah state. Now you've beaten Fort Valley. Now that Albany game means a lot because you're playing them on their homecoming in Albany. So now what are you going to do? You know, so that's how I look at it is that the division made it more competitive. And as you know, Ario, I'm an NBA guy. Like, I honestly feel as if I have some type of stake in the NBA. If I, if I can buy stock in the NBA, I might do that because I love the NBA. And I feel like, hey, our players, our team, our league, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a player. I feel like LeBron passing the ball to me in, in, in the corner. You know what I'm saying? So, like, for me, what we always say in basketball and in the NBA is that, man, the regular season is trash because they're not trying. There's no rivalries for real. You got Lakers and Celtics, but there's no rivalries for real. Like Christmas Day at points has been boring, and that's the marquee day for the NBA because they're not playing well enough. They're not playing hard. Guys are sitting out. Guys are getting injured. So we look at the NFL, and we say, wow, the, the, the Falcons versus the Saints, that's an important matchup because it's a rivalry matchup. You know, man, you, you, you have, you have the, the Chiefs versus the Steelers. You, you, have, you have the Browns versus the Ravens or the Browns, or, or the Browns versus the Bengals. Like those are matchups that you want to see, and they're pertinent because they're rivalry matchups so they have stakes and then every game matters especially in the division because in in the west with in AFC west you have you have uh, uh you have Russell Wilson you have you have uh, Patrick Mahomes you you have Derek Carr who I know if you listen to the NFL stuff you're not a big fan of Derek Carr but they they've been doing pretty good so it's like who's the odd person out like who is not going to make the playoffs in a stacked division? Because one person is not going to make it. Is it Mahomes? Is is it Herbert with the Chargers? Is, is is it Derek Carr? Is it Russell Wilson? Because it's in division. And now with those the, the divisional matchups, look at the divisional round. Now you have hey, you have the Chiefs and you have the Bills playing, and then that game was insane. That was the best football game I've ever seen. Because now there's stakes. One game to win it. Now go do it. In the NBA, there's not that because it's seven games. And then you don't see that intensity until the playoffs. So the regular season games are like, what am I watching them for? So I think that divisions is what we're always saying in, in, in NBA. Divisions is sort of what gives it that because if Fort Valley lost their first four games and they all were games that were out of conference, out of division. If Fort Valley goes and wins every game in the East, they make the championship. They might not make the playoffs. I don't really care about that. I just want to see my team win in conference, almost like Norfolk. Norfolk is currently, what, they're 0-5. So they, they've lost all of the, they lost to Hampton. So Hampton is, is in the Big South, but they're, they're at HBCU. Hampton's in the CIAA, so they're, an, they're at HBCU, but at the same time, they're out of the MEAC. So Norfolk plays Morgan State. If Norfolk beats Morgan State, let's say Norfolk beats South Carolina State. They're going to be Howard. Let's be honest. They're going to be Howard. So let's say they beat North Carolina Central. Now they're going to the Celebration Bowl. They started on five. Now what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's like basically the conference games are what matters. So now what? Now are we going to fire Dawson Autumn? No. Give them a raise. Give them an additional contract. Because in your second year, you made the Celebration Bowl. So the, like, like that's the thing with college football I don't understand. Because we had a conversation about this last year. And I think I was speaking sort of ignorantly because I was sort of new to the understanding of, of the bigger picture of college football outside of the field where I asked you, hey, why don't Jackson State play Alabama A&M twice? Almost like in football. Like, you know, the Falcons going to play the Buccaneers twice. You know what I'm saying? You have different teams in division. You play them twice. So why don't, you know, the, the, like, you know, the, the um, Alabama A&M play Jackson State twice? And what I realized is that 
you want to measure your program against better schools. And those are opportunities to get your players drafted. So when South Carolina State plays South Carolina, Buddy Pugh and South Carolina State are trying to, to get the NFL to draft another Darius Leonard, another Kobe Durant. Now I understand. I don't necessarily like it because it's like at the end of the day, you have Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. He got drafted without that. But I understand it. You know what I'm saying? So that's sort of where I lie within it is that divisions make it more interesting. And even though you're not, even though Fort Valley and Benedict aren't playing twice, that one game matter and that one game on the road to the SIAC championship is going to mean a lot because now the ball is in Benedict's court and the ball is now in Albany's court or their field, if you will. Well, my first thing would be, I, I agree to a certain extent. And if you look at it from, I guess, the MEAC perspective, um, with A&T leaving and trying to find more competition and just becoming a better program, and Hampton also in the Big South, and they leave in their conference, it's more of thinking how to, where I might think he's coming from, is how to maintain and how to keep those HBCUs playing against each other, but also keep them in conference. So if we split divisions, we're like, maybe we let them play each other. We won't have an East to West or North to South, but we'll let them play each other. Maybe it builds more competition. Maybe it builds more excellence within the programs. And when those programs can prove that they're really good or that they're better and that they can play against each other and we can actually symbolize a champion or get these players playing on an elite level, maybe we can go back into splitting the divisions. But right now, if, if that was his point, trying to keep HBCUs together and provide more competition and make them stronger and better, I get it because a lot of HBCUs leave because either they're not playing each other or they left that caliber to where, why do I keep playing them and I'm better than them and I'm growing more, I'm doing better. Now, it's also kind of bad in your aspect how you were explaining it to me where maybe it doesn't give like the dominance that you want you don't get to see the best of which team from either side west or east or south or north to play against each other that kind of gets rid of well who's really better you're kind of just crowning somebody just to crown somebody or they keep repeating and playing each other it's to me it's a real iffy Talks of the conversation, you see the pros of it, and I would like more in conference play. I would like more HBCUs playing against each other because it just seems like for the past two years, it's been white schools and money games, and it's just like, what was the point of what is the point of even playing? Like, I would love to see in conference competition, but at the same time, it's like if I'm just giving you, like how we were discussing, if A and T was the Big South, because technically they're still one and all in their conference. And they win, but their record is like two or something. It feels like I'm just giving it to them. I want to make sure that if I separate or get rid of the rule that there will be no divisions, that I'm actually crowning a true winner. So it's this business we're just not trying to give the trophy away, but also we're trying to put in in-conference plays. And like the tweet said, it may have worked and it may have been good, but for you and maybe some people, and now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I don't know if this is the best thing if it means that we're just crowning a champion just to crown a champion. I don't know if that's going to do anything for the coaches, for players, or even establishing that HCU players can play at an elite level. That's just where I'm kind of at with it right now. So, yeah, like, um, I, I, I will see what happens. And, you know, I mean, if it's a year and we see what happens, I, I won't be upset. 
You know, I think it's some interesting matchups. And like I said, the West is, is sort of weak right now. And I'm not saying it to disrespect any of those schools, but, you know, Lane College to me appears to be the school that's going to win in that division. Now, we'll see what Miles College does when they play their schools in division. Uh, we'll see Kentucky State, you know, just beat Savannah State and Kentucky State, who played Fort Valley in 2016. So maybe, you know, Kentucky State will, will stake a claim. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I trust Dr. Holloman. I believe that Dr. Holloman is, is, is capable of this job. He's competent. He was the AD at, at, at Tuskegee. He served as our interim AD uh, at Fort Valley after uh, Dr. Pope left. Um, and he is always great at fundraising. And I think he's a great mind when it comes to academics and business. So I think that he is very capable, you know. Um, so I believe that if he believes that this is the right way to do it, we'll see. You know what I'm saying? But all, all I want to know is that I want to see the stability of the SIAC and I want to see us grow, you know, um, and the play. I get the playoffs aspect because that can also get you drafted as well. And maybe it could be a team like Albany State or Bowie or Union that makes it to the Division II playoffs. But I just think to a point, and I'll just say this and we'll move on, like why are we putting ourselves in a situation to lose? Because I just think that we are years away from having teams that can consistently in D2 compete with Baldosta. I think that at the very least for the FCS with the SWAC and MEAC teams, I think that we'll see what Deion Sanders does, Coach Prime, and also we'll see what maybe Eddie Robinson at Alabama State, but McDowell at Prairie View, you know what I'm saying, like Coach Dooley at Southern. We'll see what they do, and even Hugh Jackson. We'll see what they do and who they recruit. But I think we're at the very least a couple of years away or a few years away, maybe two to five years, depending on how things go, from us truly being able to compete with North Dakota State if they stay at their apex, you know the the bigger FCS programs. I think we're we're like you know we're we're almost there because we have the talent, but I think the coaching and also you know the guys on the front, you know, saying offense, defense, the trench play that has to improve, you know. But I just feel like what's most important is those in conference games because yeah, you're playing for rivalries, yeah, X X Y Z, but it's in conference. So in-conference games make money, and then if you're winning championships, you can say, well, we won this championship. And then now with some of these deals, I know these deals are bad, and, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of folks talk about it on, 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 on that are with Urban Edge team, and I agree with them off script, you know, has brought it up, and I've heard other people brought it up, that these deals are bad, and they are. They're bad for the HBCUs, but at the same time, I mean, it, it, it is a level of, hey, this was on ESPN. This is on HBC Go. This is on League Pass. So now the issue that we confronted back when I first started in 2015 is that those games aren't being streamed. Now they are. So now I'm like, huh? You know what I'm saying? So like you have these options to stream it. So now scouts can watch the game. We can send high quality tape over. You know what I'm saying? That, that that's not done on on iPhone cameras. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like you know, shout out Urban Edge, but like, listen, Urban Edge lit. You know what I'm saying? We got we like like League Pass got cameras. You know, so we got a good broadcast. You know what I'm saying? So and I want to say this too, that from what I'm understanding, because things can change, but the Benedict Mouse College game will be on HBC League Pass. So transitioning into our games of the week, I want to start by just saying that that's my game of the week. So my game of the week is Benedict versus Mouse College for D2. That game is going to be on HBC League Pass. Please support. League Pass is doing some amazing things. Uh, that game, I, I really think, Ario, that's going to come down to, you know, really if Miles College, before they start their, their divisional play at the end of the season, like how do they want this season to be defined? Because they have dominated, along with Albany State, the SIAC. You know, they made the playoffs before. Uh, so the big thing for me is how do you want this season 
to be defined. You know, like, like that, that's, that's the one thing that I think Miles Collins needs to really bring up. And also another thing as well that, that I think is that Benedict, are they going to get too cocky? Because they were talking after that Fort Valley game. They were calling themselves the homecoming crashers. You know, so do you want to go into this Albany game with a win? Because this Miles College game will not count towards if you make the side championship. You want to be undefeated. You want to rank in the polls. But at the same time with this Miles College game, this Miles College game is out of division. So now you, the next game you play is against Albany State. So if you beat Miles College, they beat Miles College. Now you're going in with some level of momentum. You get a chance to knock off the champs. You know, so that's one game I'm definitely looking forward to as far as, hey, interdivisional and if this works out. So my D1 game of the week, I, it was a lot of really interesting games that I, I could have chosen. I know Jackson State and Alabama State are playing, and it's a lot of, like, wrestling-style WWE talk that's going on. It's like promos that Deion Sanders is cutting. So I am sort of excited for that game. And also, let's not forget that Alabama State, did you know when they when they beat Jack State in 2021? They had on the board Deion Sanders with Jerry Curl, and they were playing "Must Be the Money." Like it was so petty. It was so petty. Deion Sanders didn't like that. So I think Deion Sanders in the back of his mind is like, "Oh, you got you got us for homecoming? Bet, bet, I got you." Because at that press conference, he wasn't laughing. He was like, "I just don't feel like there's a place for that." You know what I'm saying? He literally said that. So it's like I feel like Deion Sanders. He's the type of person that don't forget. Just like how he didn't forget what Cardinal Man has said about, about the scooter thing. And when, when they beat down Alabama A&M for their homecoming, he he, he, uh, he dropped that little kid scooter on the field. And, and then then said, and then said, he says, not no fun. Rabbit got the gun. I think that Deion Sanders in the back of his mind, he got that in his mind. But that's not my game of the week. My game of the week is in the MEAC. It's going to be Morgan versus Norfolk. Because I want to see if now that we have, you know, these FBS and better FCS schools in the, in the review uh, for – uh, Norfolk. I want to see what Coach Dawson Odoms does. It's his second year. Uh, he was in the hunt with North Carolina Central as well as with South Carolina State. He and his team uh, to, to go to the Celebration Bowl. And before he left the swag, he beat Deion Sanders in Jackson State. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Coach Dawson Odoms is a great coach. He's done, he did a lot of great things at Southern. I just think it takes a little bit longer to build out a program. And I want to see what he does against Morgan State, who has Bowie's former coach and Damon Wilson. And and Damon Wilson used to dominate at Bowie. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he wants to continue that level of dominance on a D1 level now that he has more scholarships to offer, more resources to give. So now they're starting me at play, and I think that Morgan wants to make a statement not next year, this year. And they very well could. They want to make the Celebration Bowl this year. They want to challenge North Carolina Central this year. They want to challenge South Carolina State this year. So this is the start of them putting themselves in the conversation and Damon Wilson has recruited well and he has a great team. So I I'm really interested in the coaches side of things, because what does this mean for Damon Wilson? If he were to lose this game, does it mean that, Hey, we have to get better slightly. Do we have some changes we need to make? And also for coach Odoms, are we going to start seeing the calls for him to be fired? And if we do, I just don't think it's time because look at the schedule you put him on. You put him on path to lose. I'm put like a lit and I always go back to video games. But, you know, I, 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 play, I play these video games. Right? I play NBA 2K. And when you play my NBA or you play GM mode, you have morale. So essentially, if you don't play a player enough, their morale is low, especially if they're a good player. Like if, if I have like Kawhi Leonard and I have LeBron James and I'm playing LeBron over Kawhi, he's on the bench. He's like, I'm a star player. So his morale is going to be low in the game. And when the morale is low, they play worse. 
their, their rating goes down if they're not feeling good. That's like real life. So you're starting off 0-5 playing against teams that were better than Norfolk at this point, Marshall and other FBS programs. The morale is low. So now as you start conference play, where do you find that motivation? So overall, I mean, I'm really looking at that game because I think it's going to tell us a lot about what's to come. So Aria, what's your game of the week? You know, I... And like you said, there there was a lot of good games because on here I have an honorable mention of Tennessee State with Duke Cookman. I think that will probably be their first win, but Duke Cookman hasn't been good at all this season. That offensive line is just terrible. It's absolutely trash. After watching that South Carolina State game, I absolutely know this should be their first win. But that's not the game I'm looking at. I'm looking at Alabama A&M and Grambling. And it's funny because I was just thinking over a year ago, we were... Or I, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I was a big Alabama AM fan. They they did really well. They had a really great quarterback in a cool glass. They had a really good front. And now it just seems like they've been struggling just a little bit to find their footing, just to find what works for their team, especially the offense. It's kind of hard to replace your quarterback in some of the other players that have gone on from this year. But I, you know, this may be a game to really watch. Vermeulen has been struggling a little bit this season as well, but I don't think they're done. I think they have something left to prove. I want to say this is going to be a very, very close game. But if I had to pick, just out of curiosity, I wouldn't mind seeing Grambling pull out with the win here. I want to also comment on South Carolina State versus FAMU. Uh, as we know, FAMU beat down. South Carolina State. And fam, you said, listen, if we were in that celebration bowl, not Jackson State, it would have been a different story. Now it's time for you to write the second part of that story. Because you're going to blow them out this time? Because South Carolina State, like, you know, they want to get some wins. They lost to North Carolina A&T. So you're going to blow them out this time? Like, are, are you going to start to just stake your claim and say, hey, we're back? And could this possibly be? I mean, I don't think fam, you, if Jackson State loses a couple games and maybe Southern might get them, you know, prepare, like, you know, you'll know. Maybe, you know, they have some, some losses that they have in division, and FAMU is right there again. They could meet in the Celebration Bowl. It's still early. We don't know because and I, we, we assume Jackson State might win out into the, to the SWAC championship, but you never know. You know what I mean? So we'll see what happens with this game. I'm, I'm very interested to see what occurs in this specific game and if FAMU can get their footing, but South Carolina State playing FAMU as sort of a measuring stick of programs before they start, you know, their defense in the MEAC officially, I think that's going to be a really good game, but I, I just don't know because FAMU blew them out last year. That's why I won my game in the week, and Aria helped me out with that. That's why it's not my game in the week because FAMU blew them off the field, just being honest, and I watched that game, and it wasn't fun. But let's talk about the games that are going on on this weekend. It is homecoming for a lot of different schools. So let me give you the whole entire rundown and schedule. So Alabama and them, of course, is playing Grambling. You have Central State playing Fort Valley for their homecoming. Johnson C. Smith is playing Shaw. Livingstone is playing Winston-Salem. Morgan State is playing Norfolk State, as we discussed. Lincoln University of Pennsylvania is playing Schoen. West, West Virginia State is playing West Virginia Westland. Virginia Union is playing Elizabeth City. Alabama State is playing Jackson State for their homecoming. And also Lincoln versus Schoen is, is Lincoln University of Pennsylvania's homecoming. So University of Arkansas Pine Bluff is playing Texas Southern for their homecoming. Lane is playing Kentucky State. Missouri Southern is playing Lincoln University of Missouri. Benedict is, play, is playing Miles. Fayetteville State is playing St. Augustine's. Hampton is playing Maine. South Carolina State is playing FAMU. Savannah State is playing Virginia University of Lynchburg. Virginia State is playing Bowie. Prairie View is playing Southern. Tennessee State is playing Bethune-Cookman. Mississippi Valley State is playing Alcorn. Allen is playing Clark Atlanta. Edward Waters is playing Albany State. 
Morehouse is playing Tuskegee. Warner is playing Florida Memorial. Ottawa is playing Texas College. And Fort Lauderdale is playing Bluefield State. So that is your lineup for this weekend as we head into homecoming season. It's going to be lit. So, Aria, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at AskGreevy underscore underscore, or you can visit me at www.theunaxedopinion.weebly.com. I love it. So you can follow HBCU Pulse, of course, on Instagram at HBCU Pulse, on Twitter and TikTok at the HBCU Pulse. And if you're not listening on HBCU League Pass, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, 16,000 and counting. It's lit. But if you're on YouTube or the podcast feed and, you, and you're listening from there, make sure to check out the HBCU Pulse channel on HBCU League Pass Plus, channel 201. And also, Miles College is playing Benedict. It's going to be on HBCU League Pass unless ESPN gets the game. ESPN does get some of these, these key matchups. So Benedict's a hot team. ESPN might get that game. But as of right now, from what I'm hearing, it's going to be on HBCU League Pass, all right? Um, so also make sure to download us and listen to us on our podcast feed, on Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, check us out, all right? But thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we'll see you on the other side. Like what you hear? Uh, yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to HBCU, HBCU Pulse, Pulse Radio. Radio.